Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Hey, so for the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series called Even Though, which is really just a walk through the book of Habakkuk in its entirety. And we don't have much context about who Habakkuk is and what he's done, other than the fact we know that he's a prophet out of Judah. At this time, the Israelites, they're fractured as a community. There's a northern kingdom, which seems to, which has its own leadership and it progressively gets worse and they get further and further away from the things of God. Then we have the southern kingdom, Judah, uh, which uh, has moments of rebellion, but then has moments of revival, has some good leaders, has some bad leaders, but they kind of ebb and flow, so to speak. And so when we step into the book of Habakkuk, we're in the Southern kingdom, but we find ourselves towards the end of the Southern kingdom. And this is a season of rebellion for them. Uh, He talks about how injustice is running rampant. This is a people that's forgotten God's law. And so Habakkuk, the premise of the book is he's crying out to God saying, Lord, what's the deal? How long are you gonna let things remain like this? Uh, You hate injustice. You you hate violence. Why won't you bring revival to this kingdom? Why won't you allow it to take place? Now, what's unique about the book of Habakkuk is traditionally a prophet's role is to receive the message from God and then deliver it to the people, to mediate mediate between the two. Um, But in this case, Habakkuk is having a direct conversation with the Lord. And instead of mediating between God and the people, he's interceding on behalf of the people. He's talking to God about everything that's going on right, right from his heart. And he doesn't hold back his own frustrations, his own impatience about God's timing, his own doubt about God's provision, his confusion. Habakkuk voices his frustration to God and God responds, which seems to only insinuate things are gonna go from bad to worse. Habakkuk says, God, what's the deal? And God says, I'm raising up Babylon to take you over. And he's like, what the heck? They're worse than us. Why are you doing that, right? And and, and so the, the premise of the series is like, we serve this good God, but sometimes life doesn't always seem good. And how does that figure itself out? Why is that the case? If God's so good, why is life so crappy sometimes? Call it for what it is. Kids, don't say crap. I think he, he, he talks to God and, and, and walks away from the conversation more confused, more hurt, more disheartened, maybe more discouraged. In Habakkuk 2, he finishes, uh, after God responds, he finishes with this, I will, I will climb up to my watchtower. I will stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he'll respond to my complaint. I'm just gonna wait, I'm just gonna wait. Zach took us through uh, chapter two of Habakkuk, did an awesome job just summarizing what, uh, you know, how we're supposed to respond in the waiting, how to appropriately and productively wait on the Lord. And he summed it up like this, stay postured to hear. When you hear, write it down. And after you write it down, wait with expectation. Okay, chapter two ends with Habakkuk responding to God. And then all of chapter three is, have I lost anybody yet? 
Okay, good. Uh, so he, uh, God will respond to Habakkuk in chapter two. And then in chapter three, it's like a heart song um, after he hears what God says. So I think to fully and accurately understand chapter three, we'll quickly revisit chapter two, reevaluate what, it, what did God say about all the muck that's been taking place in the culture of the day. And, and then we'll work from there. But this is our key scripture. And this is the verse that we actually use to name this series in its entirety. So it's this Habakkuk three, verse 17. Even though, someone say, even though. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though flocks die in the field and the cattle barns are empty, even though life's hard, even though I don't understand it all, even though I don't see the good right now, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as deer, able to tread upon the heights. Let's pray. Jesus, we, um, as, as we come to your word, I pray that you would till the soil of our heart. Help it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word. Uh, let it grow, let it grow roots, let it grow to produce fruit in our lives. We wanna be transformed by it. If we just listen to your word, but we never apply it, Bible says we're deceiving ourselves. So help us to not just hear this word, help us to really live this thing out. Cultivate us into a company of kingdom people. And I pray that this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name, amen. So the Lord in the entirety of chapter two responds to Habakkuk's cry, responds to his complaint. Uh, Habakkuk says, I'm just gonna stand here on my watchtower and just wait on the Lord. And then the Lord responds to him. And uh, this is, let, let's just, I, I, I don't need to take you through the whole chapter because I think just this short passage out of chapter two kind of sums up God's response. So let's look. Habakkuk two, verses two through six. As he's waiting there, then the Lord said to me, the Lord says this to Habakkuk, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct messages to others or message to others. This vision, Habakkuk, what I'm about to speak to you is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. What I'm about to tell you, Habakkuk, is gonna happen. That's what God's saying. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. And then God starts to speak, and, he's, and he says this. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. That word faithfulness, other translations say they'll live by their faith, which is steadfast, unwavering belief in God, commitment to God. Wealth is treacherous and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave and like death are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many people. So God is, I know this sounds a little confusing, but God's talking about a corrupt people who I'll help you understand is Babylon. He's, he's talking about the people of Babylon, how they're going to take over. He just told us Babylon's gonna take over Judah. This is some of their characteristics taking over the people. He goes, but soon their captives will taunt them. They will mock them, saying, what sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. 
you become rich by by extortion, but how much longer can this go on? What God is saying is, Habakkuk, there's these people are going to overtake you. They're evil. Um, but he goes, I, I want you to write this down. I, I want you to remember this, that um, the time is coming where you'll taunt those that have captured you. So he says, uh, so, the, so then Habakkuk responds in chapter three. He says, uh, says this, it says, this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. Here's how he responds after chapter two, moving into chapter three. He goes, I've heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us, say help us. He's, remember, he's praying on behalf of the people of Judah. He's saying, help us again, as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. A phrase that more accurately aligns with the original Hebrew phrase where he says, help us, is uh, some translations might say like, revive your work, Uh, revive us. And and that Hebrew word for help or revive is um, haya. And it means to give life, to nourish up, to quicken, recover, repair, restore, revive. Uh, Habakkuk isn't just merely saying, God, help us. He's saying, God, revive us. God, bring us back to life. God, quicken your people, restore us. He's saying, Lord, Lord, as I peer back into the history of our day, it's recorded of how you moved mightily. We've seen you bring revival. We've seen you take your people out of slavery and walk them through the Red Sea. We've seen you do wondrous things. And I'm asking you, will you do it again for Judah? And, I, and, and, and so I, I know you're angry with us as a nation because of our rebellion, but remember your mercy. I wanted to look up what mercy is and, and bring clarity to that. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So even though it, I may be justified in punishing you or harming you because of what you've done, um, I, I choose not to. I have mercy. I show you mercy. And so I, I, I think, you know, part of this prayer that Habakkuk is praying is he's not denying that rebellion exists, but he's asking God to show mercy even though they're guilty. And so how many of us, I just wonder, have been so arrogant to believe that God owes you and I anything. Like now praise God because we know he's a loving father. The scriptures refer to him in different places as a friend. Um, He's full of loving kindness and mercy, but he is holy. He is perfect. He is almighty. He is the author of life. He is the alpha and omega. He's the only one who's qualified to write life story and to author life story, right? And I just wonder, and here's the little bit of the punch. You know, we have punches and we have hugs and it's all grace and it's all truth, but this is all shaping and molding us to be who God's called us to be. So y'all can say ouch after this, but how many of us have grown disheartened towards God because we didn't see him give us what he never owed us. I'll read it again, just so so we all get it. How many of us have grown disheartened towards God because we didn't see him give us what he never owed us? Me and you are rebellious. 
And I said it week one, but I'll say it again. And any good thing that exists in me, every good and perfect gift is from above. Any good that exists in me or you is God. It's him. He's the only thing that's good. He's the author of good. So, and I understand this thought can be a a little morbid, but not entirely comforting. But as believers, we need to live with the deep humility that we can recognize the only good in us is God. So we first learn in Habakkuk's prayer in chapter three, in seasons of prolonged distress, prolonged discouragement, or impatience waiting on the promises of God to unfold, we need to recognize our need for reviving and request that God would revive what is dead or what seems dormant. And then we need to remember. So just in this, in this land, in the land of Judah, Babylon is taking over this evil group of people. This evil tribe of people is taking over what is supposed to be God's set apart holy people, right? So after we recognize, after we request, what we need to do is remember. In the trials of life, it's so easy to forget, to not remember the majesty of God, the splendor of God, the magnitude magnitude of who God really is. And so Habakkuk brings to remembrance all of those things. Let's look at the text. This, his prayer continues in chapter three. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the holy one coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens. The earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him. Plague follow close behind. He's making reference to the times where God has uh, delivered them from their enemy or brought about victory uh, for them over their enemy. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains. He levels eternal hills. He is the eternal one. He's no weak. Man be Pam be God. I was sitting at a kitchen table with a guy one time. We were talking theology and he goes, God's not a man be Pam be God. I don't even know what that means. I was like, I like that. <laughs> and as we journey through this life, we, we talked a lot about this in week one, but we're gonna experience pressure. Jesus told us, hey, in this life, you will have troubles. And we talked about that word. He said, you're gonna experience pressure. Life will test us. Anyone been tested? Life is gonna challenge you. Anyone been challenged? Life is going to wound you. It's gonna wound you. While we're here on earth, there's this thing called evil that exists, right? And at some point, if we live for any amount of time, evil is gonna collide with us and we're gonna have to deal with the results of it. You and I, because of evil, we're gonna make poor choices. You and I, because of evil, we're gonna experience loss and grief. We'll experience in battle sickness at different points. We're gonna hurt others. Others are gonna hurt us. We may have encounters that'll leave us traumatized or walk through tragic events, but through it all, what we discover, especially as we go through the book of Habakkuk, is three things. We need to remember who God is, Remember what he said 
and remember what he's done, okay? So in the same way Habakkuk had a word from the Lord that was meant to equip his head and his heart, okay? So Habakkuk, the Lord said, Habakkuk, I want you to write this down. I want you to make it plain. And when it seems like it's slow, read it and know that it's coming. Your hope is found in the promise, so write the promise down. You're gonna be overtaken by this, by this group of people that is nasty, but eventually the captives will taunt their captors. Jesus has provided that same word to us. Except, I got to go to Mardell to get mine. I didn't have to write it on stone, okay? It's in his word. What has he told us? Jesus didn't hide. Hey, while you're alive, you know what Babylon really represents is the enemy, is evil. Paul makes it clear. Maybe you and I aren't in this physical battle, but the battle's not flesh and blood. There's a spiritual war you and I engage in every single day. Every single day, there's a battle against Babylon. There's a battle against evil. There's an enemy who's prowling around like a roaring lion. And guess what? Sometimes in, in, in that battle, we get affected or, or we feel the effects. And like Habakkuk, we're like, God, what's going on? Where are you? Why did you allow that to happen? How long is it going to be like this? But what did he, what did he say? Because Habakkuk already laid out who God is. He's got lightning shooting out of his hands, okay? So we know that he's no man be pan be God. His brilliant splendor fills the earth. He shatters mountains. He is the eternal one. But when I walk through times and moments where uh, it feels like God is distant, dormant, unactive, doesn't care, doesn't see it, isn't bringing about the provision, isn't bringing the healing in the time that I would like it to, when, when, it, when it seems dry, when it feels like it's going to be like this forever, what do we do? And in the same way, he spoke to Habakkuk and gave him a word to equip his head and his heart for the things that he would walk through. He has, in this, he has, through his word, given us the same thing. He knew we would walk through this and he told us how, how we need to live as we walk through these moments because they're coming. He says this, be sober, well-balanced and self-disciplined. This is in 1 Peter. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Okay, so there is a lion that is prowling around. Every day we are at battle. Every day there is a war. We need to stay alert while we're here, right? But resist him. Be firm in your faith, unwavering. That sounds a lot like the righteous will live by their faith. Remember that in Habakkuk 2? Okay, so that just seems consistent, strange. But resist him, be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and your sisters um, throughout the world. As, as Peter's writing this, he's writing to the church saying, listen, God is good, but just because you're serving a God that is good doesn't mean you won't, you won't walk through some difficult times. I just want you to know that that's in the plans and that's a part of it. So again, he's equipping their 
their head and their heart for the challenges that are ahead because I don't want you to lose your faith because things get a little rocky. You need to be faithful through things being rocky. And he says, just so you know, you're not the only ones walking through this. All these other churches are experiencing it too. Let's keep reading. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete, confirm, strengthen, and and establish you, making you what you ought to be. There's the promise. There's the promise. Right? He himself will complete, confirm, strengthen, and establish you but it might not all happen at once. There might be some waiting. So praise God that it's written down, making you what you ought to be. Maybe God's even using some of those trials and challenges and persecution and betrayal and hurt and grief to to make us who we ought to be. Maybe in some of those situations, that's the only way our faith can grow in the way that he intends it to. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe he's using all of it for good. To him be dominion, power, authority, sovereignty, forever and ever. Amen. I want to look at one more verse that uh, Paul writes in Romans. When we talk about walking through things like, God, I don't understand how you could allow that to happen. I don't understand. I, I don't see you here. I don't see your goodness. I don't see your provision. I don't, why? I just, he writes this. Therefore, Since we have been justified, that is acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with him through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, excuse me. Now, I I know a lot of us have been raised in church and we've been in church our our, our whole life. So maybe some of this uh, uh, loses its potency, but I, but like, let's never grow dull or, or grow too comfortable with the idea that Christ has covered us, that he's paid for all of our sin. Let's just, that, that we've been acquitted of sin and declared blameless before God. That, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's miraculous. In fact, that like as broken and as messed up as I am, someone's paid the cost for me. Covered my sin. Anybody else messed up like me? Anybody else walked through some things? Yeah. So he goes, through him, we also have safely and securely stand. So let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. Okay, let's just keep reading because I really want to get to uh, verse three here. And not only this, but with joy, let us exalt in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that our hardships, distress, pressure, trouble, produces something. So, produces patient endurance. And endurance, proven character, which is spiritual maturity, and proven character, hope, and confident assurance of salvation. I think what Paul is trying to communicate is, listen, life is going to be hard sometimes, but in Jesus, what Jesus has done, he's entirely covered everything. So in this little trial where it seems like Babylon, where it seems like evil is dominating, 
Christ has really already dealt with all of it. So wait on the promise. Be faithful in the promise. Listen, you're gonna walk through some things that will grieve your spirit. We're, we're, we're gonna suffer miscarriages. We're gonna lose family members to cancer. We're gonna have struggle with depression for all of our life. We're gonna lose some people we love to suicide at times. Okay, life is gonna be hard and it's gonna be challenging. But if you wanna disarm the enemy and strip the enemy of all his power, if our contentment, if our joy is not found in circumstance, but it's found in Christ and there's this overall trust in him and we can really believe his word that somehow, some way, all things are working together for good, that he's going to be just, that he's gonna be a fair judge, that he's gonna deal with evil rightly when it's all said and done, then guess what, devil? You can do whatever you want, but it ain't gonna shake my faith. It ain't gonna move me from this spot. My faith is gonna be unwavering. I know what Jesus has done done. I know what God said. The promise is written down. I just got to stay faithful. I don't understand it all, but Jesus said, but he gave me his word to equip my heart and my head. I've walked through some things too. I've hurt too, but guess what? Where else are we going to go? Who else do we turn to? The word tells us rejoice in your sufferings, rejoice in your hardships. You'll notice as, as we continue through Habakkuk, his response is, is, is congruent with our instruction from the New Testament. So just back to Habakkuk's prayer. Took a little side road for us. God's given us his word on how we're just supposed to walk through difficult times in the same way he did to Habakkuk. So back to Habakkuk's prayer. He said this, in wrath, <coughs> screaming too much. In wrath, you strode through the earth. And in anger, you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. So when Habakkuk is praying this prayer in chapter three, he's remembering how God's delivered the people of God in the past. And so there's a lot of mention to the Exodus in Egypt. Y'all remember Moses with the Red Sea, part in the Red Sea. And so he, he makes mention to that, but... That's a picture. You know how the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed? That exodus is a picture of what God will do for us in the spirit. Where we're slave to sin, Pharaoh representing Satan, the devil, evil, right? God pulls us out of our slavery to sin through the water. We're baptized, raised to life, right? Have you ever seen that picture? Well, there you go. That's a free nugget. Sets us on the other side, new life, a new people with new commands, with new privileges, new location, right? So it's always, that's always been a picture. Now I believe it really happened, but it was also prophetic of what Christ would do for his people. So, so when, when he says this prayer, I don't, I don't wanna lose y'all, but this, this is good though. You came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. Now, if they're reading this in the Old Testament, your anointed one, maybe they're thinking that's Moses as this messianic figure. But that is the anointed one is messianic language of there's going to be a king who saves, okay? He's going to save his anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. Do you remember when Judas is sitting at the table at the Last Supper? And something or someone enters him and Jesus says, go do what you got to do. Who entered him? 
Was it God? Was it Satan? So was it the work of the enemy to get Jesus crucified? Did God turn it around for good? Did he use the enemy's own spear to stab him in the head or whatever it said? Yes. Old Testament, New Testament, concealed. I'm just saying, I know we're getting deep, losing half of y'all, but I love that stuff. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning great waters. I want to continue into verse 16. So, so Habakkuk has just went through and recognized God's goodness and provision, and, and, and he's talked through all these things. And then in uh, verse 16, he says, I, I tremble. I don't know if that was a vision he had or if he's just remembering it or what, but he's like, I, I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My, my legs gave, worship team, you can come. My legs gave way beneath me, and I shook in terror. I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. So he reflects on what God's done. He's saying, I will, I will wait patiently for God to overcome Babylon. And then he says, even though the fig trees have no blossom, even though I don't see it right now, even though I'll make it worse before it gets better, even though it's going to be hard, even though there's going to be this bout with Babylon, this bout with evil, even though the olive crop fails, even though the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. So even though I don't see him saving us yet, I know that he's told me he would and he told me to write it down. So I have hope in the promise. I will rejoice because I know the promise will be brought about even when I don't see it even though I don't see it. Habakkuk is, is essentially saying, Lord, even though I don't see it right now, even though it may get worse before it gets better, even though the season is going to be difficult, even though I don't see it yet, I know what you said. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end. It will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. God told Habakkuk, it will come. Don't grow weary. Don't waver. Keep pursuing me. Stay faithful. The, the, the righteous will be saved by faith. Keep believing me. Keep following me. And soon your captives will taunt your enemy. I know life's hard. I know you've walked through some things. I've sat with y'all. We've talked about your kids. We've talked about your divorces. We've talked about sicknesses. We've prayed. We've fasted together. We've, we've talked about these things. Every day we confront evil. Every day the enemy is at work to attack you. He's prowling around. I know you've cried. I know you've been hurt. I know you've been confused. Uh, but don't we see the prophetic correlation here? The evil might have a place right now, but salvation is coming. There will be a day where it is all dealt with. Why? Because he said it in his word. He spoke this to John in the last book of the Bible in this revelation. He said, this, this is it. He says, and I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God 
arrayed like a bride adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will live among them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. There's coming a day where he's going to make all things new. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth and he's going to restore. But here's where it gets good. Verse four, because I know I know the tears have been shed. I know grief has stricken hearts. I've walked through it myself. But he says this, and when that time comes, and when he makes all things new, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Come on, when your family rejected you, when, 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 when you lost somebody, I don't know, when the diagnosis hit, when evil collided with your situation and we were wounded by it, God's gonna pay it back. God's gonna deal with all of it. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow and no more anguish or crying or pain for the former older of things has passed away. He's gonna deal with Babylon. He's gonna wipe evil from the face of the earth. Like Habakkuk had to wait for salvation, we too are waiting. But we know that God has promised the righteous will live by faith. We'll live by faith. And even though the fig trees have no blossoms and even though no grapes on the vines and even though no all of the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Amen. Amen. Our endurance is produced by the hope of the promise. Our endurance is produced by the hope of the promise and I know that evil has taken its toll on us but the day is coming where God will deal with evil for all of eternity. And here's what I also want to communicate. What I love is even though we're, even though we're going to be wounded and we're going to walk through some things, we have this, this king who we're, when we place faith in Jesus, he deposits our spirit in us. And, and so we get to pull from heaven. We, we, get, we, we, we get filled with his power. He anoints us with his spirit. So yes, we might walk through some things and we may be in a, in, in a battle and there's and Babylon's taking place, but we also get to pull from the victory that's already been won. So now as I'm full of God's spirit, we get to speak to demons and we have to tell them to go and they have to bow. We can lay hands on bodies and see the sick get well because the kingdom of darkness is invading and it's attacking, but we're a part of the kingdom of God, which is full of light. And now we've been equipped. We become sons of the King and we can push back the darkness together in faith. And sometimes heaven breaks out on earth, but if it doesn't break out in our time, wait patiently. The promise has been given. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected or give online, 
visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.